Hello, hello everyone. You are here with Shay's Big Orange Questions, episode number four. I am here with Obey. Hi. So uh, tell the so introduce yourself to the audience. Tell them about you who you are, what's going on. Give us a little background. Yeah, so again, uh, you know, I'm here in Dallas, Texas, and I'm a new church plant. Uh, our church plant is Mitch Rock, and um, it's a non-denominational church, so it's a, a non-religious church. Anybody's welcome. Anybody can come if you need help, if you need, uh, you know, healing, you want to be whole, then this is the, the place that you're going to be. But, uh, yeah, I'm planning here in Dallas, Texas, and um, we're just getting started. So obviously with the, with the building, but as far as the ministry, you know, I've been very involved uh, since about 2008, you know, just in the community, you um, just spreading the, the faith, hope, and love of Jesus Christ. Awesome. Now, you said that you're, okay, we were talking about outreach. Can you tell me a little bit about during this pandemic, you know, a lot of people are out here without food. Um, a lot of people are uh, lost out with, you know, out of their jobs. No schools are open. Can you tell me something about what is this church is what is this church doing or what does this church I mean this um this rock plan to do oh absolutely like i was uh sharing with you know outreach is big it's very very big uh to me um and i got introduced to outreach and through my mother she's a, <laughs> a minister of the gospel by just here as a, as a young youngster you know always you know making us give our christmas presents to the less fortunate or you know, we'd be at the food pantry passing out food. And I mean, I would see her active in the community, so outreach was something I was previous to or familiar with, but as far as taking it to the to the ministry, um, as I share with you, you know, outreach is the DNA, it's the it's the footprints of Christ, you know, it's 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 our calling, it's our mission to go and see about um, the widow, the poor, um, you know, the, the, the children, the less fortunate people that don't have. So as far as my particular involvement in outreaching uh, number one, it'll be a service on Wednesday nights. We'll do an evangelistic service. So if you come in Wednesday nights, then you get to bring your tennis shoes or your running shoes because we're all going to go out as a body to serve the community. But number two, you know, obviously, like I shared with you, you know, the pinnacle or the shiny pendant in ministry is getting a building. But uh, as I shared with you, the ecclesia or the, the true church is the body of believers. It's not a building. The building is a place where we congregate and fellowship or come together to discuss what we need to do on the outside. But the true mission that Jesus Christ commissioned us to is to go out and on the highways and the byways. So for me and uh, the church that I have, you know, here currently, uh, we feed, you know, homeless people, uh, children, widows, single mothers. I mean, this is this is a, a weekly routine. Uh, even in the process of uh, this outbreak, you know, we still find ways to get meals, to get supplies to people that we need to get them to. Um, if you kind of go on my Facebook page and my timeline, like we had, especially in 2019, we covered uh, everywhere from San Antonio, Texas, Houston, all the way back into the streets of Dallas. I mean, literally walking the streets, under bridges, meeting people uh, and that were living in homes, wherever they were, but beating these people with supplies, you know, hygiene, food, and, and also Bible prayer and just trying to fully get them restored to a place where they can uh, be reacclimated to society as a, as a productive citizen. Wow, it sounds like y'all are really getting busy in the process. So what has been the most difficult or challenging 
component or what has been the most difficult challenge or challenge that you have had being this new young millennial pastor coming into the heart of Dallas? Uh, the, the challenge is, um, because you know what, if I can be real, you know, the, the biggest challenge, man, is not, it's not, and this is, this is ironic or maybe, you know, cliche for me to say, but the, but the biggest challenge is not come from the outside, it's, it's really coming from the inside, it's, it's dealing with the body of believers, it's dealing with the, with the church, you know, it's getting people to work together in unity and, and people, getting people to see that their ego should matter. Their private agenda shouldn't matter. Their private motives shouldn't matter. Their private successes shouldn't matter. It should be, you know, us coming together to do what Jesus told us to do. In John 17, Jesus prayed a prayer. And he said, Father, I pray that they become one as we are one. One is another word for unity. And uh, the, the biggest challenges that I faced is, um, you know, other pastors really want to work with you. or Other people, you know, really want to work together. It's sad to say, but, you know, the Bible says that the, that the judgment we start the house of the Lord first, and I see why. Because uh, again, some of the the largest challenges I faced is, you know, do you want to join an organization? You know, you have to be a part of an organization, uh, a bigger uh, church organization, to kind of grow. Or you know, you, you have to be affiliated with so many uh, pastors or different type of people. And I'm the type of person if you really, you know, if you love Christ, you love Christ. So to me, love doesn't come stipulation. So some of my biggest challenges that I face personally is just uh, getting people plugged in enough to where we can come together and get and actually accomplish a little bit without so much strife or politics in between. That is powerful. That is powerful. That leads me to question now that even now as we are still in quarantine and um, the way things are being you know, with the pandemic going on and the experience that we had when, you know, due to due to the pandemic of COVID-19, churches had to shut down, churches had to come, you know, come to, you know, a little break away from the building. So what do you feel, what do you feel, what do you believe that unity will look like after this pandemic with the church or I'll tell you two questions in one. What do you, how do you feel that the church was unified with the pandemic? And how do you feel that church will be unified after the pandemic? Well, you know, I believe, um, again, I want to be clear when we talk about the church for people that may have a misconception um, about what the church truly is. We talk about the building, the brick and mortar facility where, where the church comes to congregate, but we talk about. Uh, outside of that, the, the true body of believers, the one that Jesus called his church, the people. And because uh, Jesus is not coming back to save a building, he's coming back to save you and me. So, you know, with that being said, before the pandemic, um, I'm going to be honest with you, sister, you know, the, the, the level of corruption within the church has, has been high. Uh, there's been a lot of church hurt, people in a lot of pain, people in a lot of bitterness from things that have happened inside the church because of... Uh, Again, a lot of corruption, and uh, I believe that the Lord right now truly has has put uh, people outside of that building to get them into a better perspective of what He really wants and what He really desires. I believe He He's people's hearts, pastors, leaderships about mm -hmm. the way they been treat people on the inside, uh, taking advantage of people, and really uh, just, just mistreating the people. And, and it's sad to say these things, but I have to be honest, and I believe 
that this pandemic is uh, something that God is using just to wake us up and to, and to really see that we're privileged to do this. This is not something that we have to do. Jesus doesn't need us. We need him, okay? And this is not something that we have to do, uh, but maybe he's privileged us to do because the truth is absolute. It'll, it'll be here regardless if we're here or not. It'll, it'll still remain. So I believe that God has used this this, this uh, pandemic to not only wake us up, but to to understand the value and the privilege that we have to serve the lost, to serve one another, and to love one another. So uh, my vision for this, after this is all over, uh, I pray to God that uh, people will be humble, that people will take a, a new approach on the treatment of the people and how privileged we are to have ministries uh, in Jesus' name. But and will that be reality? Uh, according to the scripture, uh, but it, it probably will be here for some time. Wow, that is very profound. the The fact that I'm on I'm on this I'm in this conversation with you. I'm having this conversation with you as a fresh millennial man who is a pastor starting a church and. In your early times of the church, you are already it's a it's amazing that you're already to already have picked up the issue of unity within the church. Like I think I believe it's very powerful that you already know what challenges are against you and you can be honest about your challenges that are against you and the fact that you're able to say that look, I know the first is First reality of me starting this ministry is outreach. I know that the reality is that we are lacking unity. That says volume. That's how that says a volumes, you know, volumes or whatever. So like Matthew 16, 18 says, it says, and tell you that that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's what the word of God says about the church. And your church is called this rock. And the fact that the fact that we are out here, like you said, we are the church. We are the body. We are the body of Christ. The fact that we are the body of Christ and we are literally allowing what to overcome it. Trying to overcome it anyways. The gates of ha- of Hades and the gates of hell. And so the fact that that it was written in his word in one of the gospels, it was written in the gospel that it says, and I tell you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Yeah. And that brings me to the um the next question. We are allowing when we are not unified, when we are not when we're not unified as as a as as people. Not as oh, we gotta get all on one accord and use each other gifts <laughs> for a service. You know what I'm saying? For a service. But when we're really in unity, when we're really in unity, helping one another, not sitting up here, not liking this person because it is, not liking them because it is, and and, and really just not kissing pastors' butts, I'm just going to say it, or kissing each other butts or, or the pillars of the church butt, you know, when it comes to that, how long will we realize that we, we are actually letting hell overcome our church? 
How long will we realize that what we're what we're allowing to happen and go on in our churches, which is what you were talking about, the corruptness, um, all of the corrupt things that are going on in our church, and that brings me to this question to um to tackle and ask you how the truth needs to be preached according to the word, and how the church needs to get back being a place of refuge. Let's go first. Let's talk about how the church needs to be preached according to the word. What does a healthy church look like? Everybody's coming out of everybody's everybody's been in quarantine. We've you know that's that's giving the people of God the time enough to, to look at how things are flowing in other ministries. Some people never visit other churches, some people just been sitting back thinking. Um, maybe there's someone here they've been thinking like, hmm, you know, I don't think I want to go back to my church. So what does a healthy church look like? Wow. And, uh, man, since you be on fire, you know, you, you share a lot of powerful stuff. And, uh, trust me, me and you, you talk all day, too, because it's, these are powerful topics. Uh, but, you know, the church, obviously, you know, the, one, of, one, of the, one of the problems is, is that, you know, a lot of people came in with a mask on already. Okay? So, you know, now physically we're having to put a mask on, you know, and it, it's, it's almost revealing the, the actual problem that was already existing. Uh, inside of the church, but uh, number one, a healthy church looks like a church that is not influenced by the world. Jesus never called the church to be influenced by the world, but as a matter of fact, Jesus called us to be the influence in the world, meaning that we can't allow these things that uh, that that will drive the engine of the of the church business today, because churches become a business. We can't allow those things on the outside that will drive up your revenue, that will drive up your membership, that will drive up your uh, relevancy on social media or your views on, on public platforms, we need to get back to a foundation and a place of holiness. And this is exactly what, what the house of the Lord looks like. The healthy church looks like a holy church. The Bible says in Peter, he said, be ye holy for I am holy. Holy means to be whole. means to be set apart. It, it's whole. It, it's a, a church that doesn't lack. It's a church that doesn't have leaks and cracks in the foundation. As you said, uh, the, the, the rock is Jesus Christ. The foundation is, is the Lord's word. So a healthy church looks like a church that's not influenced by the world. <laughs> Amen. I heard that. You know, it's interesting when when the word of God says, the word of God says that in Acts 2, in Acts 2, 247, it says that, um, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved and when I think of that and I think of when when people are coming to the building and coming to the building mm -hmm. it's interesting to see that we're adding people to buildings but we're not adding people to the body of Christ <laughs> It's a heartache. It's a heartache to see this. It's a heartache to know this. And and we should we should be convicted by that. We should be convicted by that. But so as a millennial pastor, what I want to know is, you know, you have you have generation generation Z coming, you have generation alpha coming. As a millennial pastor in the heart of Dallas, what is it about people being added to the church? And what is a tech, if there's anybody, you know, someone that may be in your same position starting a church, what is the one thing that after they become saved, 
and they are beginning to work in a ministry what are some techniques as a pastor over a flock do you adhere to making sure that they are added to the body of Christ ready to flow in motion ready to do you know ready to work and serve God ready to communicate with other believers what are some te techniques that you use or what are some some things that you do ideas that you you've done that has been helpful transitioning people into the body of Christ because you said it very profoundly that you know we should not be looking like the world we should not we should not be we're in this world we're in this world but we're not of this world and so Right. We're in the light of this world. So what are some techniques and things as a man of God who is a millennial starting out in the church? What are some things that you would like to know, let a millennial know, or you would just anyone or a pastor? What advice would you give a pastor about techniques to use or strategies to use to be able to keep these people in the body of Christ, um, not trying, you know, not trying to force anything, but what do you use to say, Hey, I want you here. You, this is where you belong. And this is, you know, this is how we are going to work with you and get you built up discipled. So how do you disciple people to come into the body of Christ and not so much of being in the church? Right. And, uh, you know, I think you touched on the, the key point of that. And, uh, this is a discipleship. That's what I'm big on. And uh, I, I try to keep it, you know, I, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. You know, Jesus mm -hmm. left the blueprint. And, um, you know, as far as visions and missions, statements, and all that, you know, that stuff to me, you know, it, you know, it's beyond me to, to the degree of Jesus already told us what to do and how to do it. So I try to keep my model 100% uh, close to his because, you know, obviously he set the standard. He set the, the tone for us all. But uh, within regard to uh, people that have a calling um, on their life to do whatever uh, form of uh, ministry that God's called you to do. Number one, I would just say make sure that, you know, the Lord called you to do it. Now, let me tell you something. Ordainment means that Jesus equips you for the assignment that he's called you to do. As the Bible says, those he called, he also justifies, he also qualifies. So it's not a piece of paper. It's not the, the, the degrees, because you got more degrees than a thermometer, but you still lack a lot of things. Yes. So it's not the, the, the paper material that qualifies you for the gospel is Jesus having a call in your life, and you have your ordainment in your by God to go out and complete the assignment. So, number one, I would tell people to recognize that you really truly have that. You know, everybody these days, you have public platforms, so everybody's a preacher. Everybody's a pastor. <laughs> everybody's a man. Everybody's a And half these people can't sing, and half them can't preach. So, you know, the thing is, because you have a venue or a free platform to do something, there's a reason to ordain that you're called, that you're equipped to do it. So I would say, number one, you know, be, be real with yourself. If you really don't have that calling, it's awesome. okay because there's three more areas of the ministry that you can plug into to serve. But number two, as far as getting the congregation going and getting, getting them ready, get them serving. Get them serving like Jesus did. Get them active. But make sure that discipleship is the nucleus or the basis, the foundation of, of how you go with the with the culture of the church. You know, teach humility off the bat, teach love off the bat, teach humbleness off. Everybody get a bro. Everybody gets a mom. You know, we don't we don't recognize about kindness. Everyone is a servant. You know, yes, we have different functions that we're all assigned to. But we're all servants. Jesus said in His Word that the greatest uh, of, of, of among you shall be a servant to all. So 
for me having the calling of a pastor, that means that I have to serve Shay before she ever serves me. That means I have to open the door for Shay before she ever opens the door for me. That's right. The Bible says I have the greatest calling of servitude. See, leadership starts at the feet of another. So you you not you not high up because you have a, a title. Um, you know, when you're tied, your servitude it will be what you're supposed to do. So that'll put you back in a state of humbleness, and I believe that should be the culture of the church that we're here to serve. We're here to serve them in the best. As Jesus said, you know, do it as you do them to me. So we're here to love. We're here to serve. We have compassion for Jesus, but compassion for the souls. We we make sure that we keep in perspective through discipleship that our role is to get people healthy physically, spiritually, and whatever other capacity that the Lord will have us serving. But serving is, is the highest form of the culture of our church and our congregation. So I would have to disciple those people. Do not put them places of, of leadership if you have to disciple because it involves proof. I'll give you this example. If you looked at Moses in the Bible, you would say, wow, Moses was a great pastor because he had one of the largest congregations in the Bible. But when Jesus began to to really discern that membership of that congregation, he had to kill off a lot of people in that congregation because it wasn't so much that he had a, a large congregation that Moses was carrying around a lot of dead weight. And a lot of these pastors, a lot of these churches out here, they have large numbers, but oh, a lot of disciples are dead weight because you have healthy fruit. Phone breaking up. Phone breaking up. Phone breaking up. Give me a, another angle. Now try. Speaking of fruit and um, being, you know, uh, signs of a healthy church, when it comes to the truth, this going to step on a lot of toes, and I'm not trying to go there, but <laughs> hey, this is the big orange questions. We got to know, okay? So when it comes to the truth in your in your journey, being a Christian, do you believe that you have been taught the truth? Um, as far as your the the Word of God and and facts, historical facts. Can you? I don't know how old you are, but <laughs> can I'm thirty one, and I know right. that I was not taught the whole truth 
um, no matter where, you know, because it you look, it's not when it's all said, when it's all said and done, I gotta work out my own salvation, soul salvation, and you do too, as a man of God, you know, pastor. But as far as that's that's going, do you do do you on your journey? Um, have you seen? I just this is just a yes or no question before I go into that other question. <laughs> have you ever ran across a man or woman of God that you can say preached biblical truth according to facts, histor like uh-huh. facts like? Someone who really knows how to don't hold don't hold the word back don't hold the flock back from getting to the deep of the deep the depths. Um, have you ever met someone who teaches truth? Yes, 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 and I would say two people. Um, and and then, two, again, two people I look up to. They old school people, but they're two people that I admire that I look up to. Number one is Billy Graham. He was one of the people that he shot it to you straight. You know, he he not. He's not going, he, he wasn't there for the, all the, you know, the spiritual highs and the cheap thrills and all that. He wasn't there for all that. And number two, mm-hmm. Adrian Rogers, he's passed on as well. But Adrian Rogers, man, that's another one. And obviously, these dudes didn't have popular ministries. They weren't popular preachers. Why? Because they shouted to you straight. They gave you the, the you know, the pure, unadulterated truth. Whether you liked it or not, it was the truth. And that's why I, I respect and I hold those uh, men of God in my life under high regard. Awesome, awesome. Now, taking it a little bit forward, I have, I want to highlight the conversation. I want to, I want to um, transition into this question right here. How does the church get back to a place of refuge? Where is? Can you tell me where is the current state? If I said I'm giving you a number count from one to ten, can you tell me where, as a whole? Domestically and internationally, the whole world. <laughs> Out of the perception of you as a pastor, what is the what is the what number are we <laughs> church <laughs> as a body of Christ? Because I don't really care about. I, honestly, I don't care about a building. Never have, never will. Oh well. Mm-hmm. So, when it comes to the church, like, come on, come on now, because I mean, church people wear the heart of the building. They don't put people that are not hiding the the church. They're not hiding God's word in their heart. There's no way. I've seen I've seen some some stuff go down. Okay, they're not they're <laughs> they're not hiding the word of God in their heart. They're hiding their they're hiding the secret their iniquities in that building. Okay. So, we're at 1 to 10. Where is the church? Where are we? Are we a 1? Are we a 0? Are we a 5? Are we a 6? Are we a 10? Where are we at? In your, in, in your perception as a pastor, where are we at? Oh, man, you're trying to check the temperature. You're trying to check the, the, the monitor. On, on, yes! Uh, Come know, on now. Man, um, um, wow, that's a powerful question. You know, I, you know, we we somewhere in the three and a half. Oh, oh, that hurt. That that, that know, did some to me. <laughs> it did something. Yeah, to we me. gotta. <laughs> we got we got some man. We got some some things to overcome. You know, and again, you know, that's why Jesus said to go back to the word. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves 
you know, turn from the wicked ways. Why Why is he saying this? Who is he talking to? He's not talking to the novice. He's not talking to the unbeliever. He's talking to the level of corruption that has entered his house and into his people. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem is, you know, yes, it, yes, my, the church that I'm opening is dynamic because it's going to be a facility of full restoration, meaning we'll have showers, we'll have GED testing, we'll have a lot of things for people that come straight off the street and say, hey, I want to get my life turned around. Uh, we're going to provide services for them that, that help to get them fully reacclimated to be productive. But not everybody has that perspective. Some people care about, you know, the butts and the seats. Some people care about the, the tithing buckets being full, but uh, full of empty promises as well. So we have we have a, a different dynamic. We have two different perspectives in, in ministry. You know, some pastors feel like they're, they're too good to have you know, homeless people or people with a bunch of problems in their church. They, they feel like they've already overcome those levels. So it's, it's about a lot of people's uh, perspective, and you touched on it earlier. You know, when you introduce theology, when you introduce philosophies of men into the word, remember, theology is a study on the nature of God. It's not the Bible. It's a, it's something that's added to it. Come on. It's added to it. So when you get those things involved in, in church, it, it brings the, the level of the obligation for being that place of refuge, it, it takes that perspective way down. Wow. You said three. Huh, wow. <laughs> and that, and, 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 and honestly, and honestly, the because, I'm going to tell you something. When per, Perceptions are powerful. And so, when you're a person on the outside looking in, it's interesting how the way you perceive someone could be could possibly be uh, uh, a help to them because some people don't realize that how big of a issue that they are or they causing and some people are too prideful to admit to what they do and the thing about it is when it comes to accountability and in the body of Christ I from a person from the outside looking in when I've I've heard, you know, of stories and pastors and just watching interviews and seeing conversations with people or listening to reading blogs or listening, you know, people share their stories in books, you know, different medias, things like things of that such. And so when I hear people say, you know, certain things um, or say that they're they're this or claim that they're this way, you know, piping, pumping them their own them own selves up. And I'm just sitting here like, okay, okay, that's a that's a real wolvish move right here, or a move uh, a wolf, <laughs> wolving, revolving, uh, revolving personality that's going on, you know. And so when I see those things, and you know, like I said, perception, and I think to myself, how can we provide? a place of refuge when we're interacting with people who are not saved so what so what 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 do a believer need to do because you know paul said we're walking epistles right and so what do we how do we provide that refuge just being us how do we get from that three to a ten? Because the only way we're gonna get from that three to a ten is by doing us some self 
examination of who we are as right. the body of Christ. So what? So what? Because the perception of a person outside looking in is is like you, is me, that soul that we're assigned to. So what? How do we get our church from a three to a ten? How what? How do we become that refuge? What do we need to do to become that refuge? Right, and, and like and like you said, you, you, you really said it, and I'm going to just piggyback off of you or take a page out of your book, but you were saying, you know, getting back to the truth, and that and that's the, one of the keys is, you know, um, we got we to gotta stop preaching what people want to hear and trying to sound biblical. You know, we weren't called to sound biblical. We weren't called to look holy. We're called to be biblically sound, and we're called to be holy. So there's differences in that, you know, but again, these are, this, this is the perspective that I have because I look through the optics of Jesus Christ. I see through his lenses and, and I see what he has for my life. Remember the Bible says, not my will, but thine will. So when it's, when it's the Lord over your life and the Lord or, ordering your steps, then it's not your personal agenda. Then it's not your personal truth. It's not your, your philosophy or your theology. It's not your spin on it. It's, you know what, I'm going to teach you the things that, that need to get us from where we are to where we're going. And, the good news is, is that, um, you know, out here, um, I see, like you said, a lot of uh, millennial young pastors on the rise. Uh, my friend, Pastor Nick, my friend, Pastor Drew Hastings, Family Tower, Dr. Praise, Anthony Cox, uh, Brother Edgar, uh, you know, many, many pastors out here, um, you know, Evangelist Jr., uh, my brother Caesar. We got a lot of uh, people that God's raising up in the ministry now that are just preaching truth, straight up, you know, because the, the truth of the matter is, the Lord didn't say we had to like anything. Like is a, a poor substitute of love. He never called mm-hmm. us to like anything. So it's not about what people like. You know, we're, we're, we're here because we love Jesus. And it's because of his love that we must continue to preach the truth. It, it's the truth that will heal us. It's the truth that will make us whole. It's the truth that will get us from a three to a one million if we, if we will allow it. But the good news is, uh, outside of all the things that we discussed, is there are many, many young preachers and many, many new uh, fresh winds coming through the body of Christ that are really starting to see things for what they are. And I believe with, with those type of people in the last days that, that uh, you know, as the old saying goes, by the first Adam, many souls were lost, but by the second Adam, many souls will be saved. Amen. 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 As far as refuge, can you define refuge from a past, from a um I just want to do something real quick. Can you define refuge from your heart as a pastor? What does refuge look like? Um, refuge to me looks like, you know, Jesus wrapping his arms around you in the midst of trouble, in the midst of a, a trial or, or a difficult time in your life. It's, it's, the, it's experiencing the Lord wrapping his arms around you and and if you ever think about maybe you're a daughter or maybe there's people out there that have a a, a father or mother or you ever think about when you're a kid and you know your mom or dad hugs you you know you get that security you get that feeling of safety and you get that feeling of whatever you're going through is going to be okay because someone there is looking after you and they want to see you be okay and uh that's the concept of i see the house of the lord being that people come in broken they come in with needs they come in with, with different things going on in their life, and we as the body of Christ, we, we resemble those arms of Jesus. And we just wrap our arms around these people, and we embrace them in whatever condition they are. But our goal is to see that those needs are fully met, and our goal is to see them fully healthy and restored. And then again, to be to do 
and someone else to say, hey, now you go out there and you be the arms, you know, to wrap around someone and, yeah. and you go and help them. And, and that's the process of discipleship is duplicating yourself through the word of God to become that refuge in the word that you can then duplicate that, that same healthy spirit into someone else and, and they can go in and reduplicate it again to someone else that they'll run into or cross path with. So refuge to me uh, really looks like complete restoration. It uh, renders a complete uh, uh, need, you know, it lends a, a true uh, helping hand to someone that, that's going through something in life, not just for the benefit of, you know, what my church can get out of it or what I can get out of it as a pastor, how many views or likes I can get. No, it's not about that. You know, it's about us just really being the blueprint and the DNA of Jesus and allowing people to see what heaven looks like. Amen. Amen. Could you, okay, how could, that was, that was, I feel like that was, that touched my heart when the, the imagery, the imagery that you put into what you were saying, it was, it came visible to me and, um, enlightened my senses, my senses. So when it comes to refuge, how does the church provide that in honest, being honest about who they are? Could we correlate refuge with honesty? Oh, yeah. They have to be married. You know, they have to be married. And, uh, you know, but, but again, you know, this, this is something, you know, like I said, it, it's, it's about the person. You know, um, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of pastors that have opened their doors, uh, they, they, they've lost that compassion. You know, and that's where, that's where refuge truly begins, the beginning mm -hmm. of compassion. Mm -hmm. And Jesus had a lot of compassion for people, and that's why people were able to come and, and, and be embraced by his love. And he wrapped his arms around those people, and he, he saw them healthy, he saw them whole again. But, but refuge starts at the level of compassion in your heart. And uh, you have to have the compassion to be a pastor, uh, to be called into this ministry. That's why the Bible said many are called, but few are chosen. Uh, a lot of people can pick up the phone, but they weren't chosen for the call, meaning that they didn't accept it, you know, it, because they didn't carry the level of compassion in their heart that it takes to see after people. And I believe when you're dealing with places of refuge or opening up your church doors to accepting broken people, you have to prepare your leadership, you have to prepare your staff, and you have to prepare yourself, number one, because the, the Word of God is for us first. So you have to prepare yourself with that high level of compassion and say, no matter what you see, and what things look like, we're here to do the Lord's will and to do the Lord's work in these people's life. And we want to see them healthy. It's the concept of Jesus embracing the leper. You know, leprosy was a bad disease back in those days. And people had dead skin, stinking, rotting skin, falling off their, their bodies and many mm -hmm. boils and, and different things that they had. But, but Jesus was the same one who embraced them. You know, he didn't just say, here's $5 or here's that or, hey, come to our church. We'll, we'll give you a little bag and sack lunch and go about your way. No. Jesus embraced them with his love and he and, and he touched them and so you have to have a high level of compassion when you're talking about allowing your church house to be a place of refuge taking people from broken conditions in every part of the environment and saying come into my house and we're going to love on you until you get better but see that's the culture as a pastor as a leader that you have to teach and again it has to be in you first it's something that you can't teach yourself it has to be a part of who you are Oh, this is deep. I love it. Because what I asked you was, I said, how how does refuge correlate with honesty? If you cannot show someone the same grace <laughs> and compassion that God has shown you, who are you to get all buck, 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 
buck and bone for all the wrong with all the wrong characteristics of Christ. Right. Who are right. you? Right. My honesty is that right. I <laughs> am redeemed by Christ. Right. My right. salvation right. was a gift. Right. So the same gift of compassion and with my salvation, my yeah. the gift of salvation that I'm have that I'm walking around here with, right. trying to get you to come and receive. That's my un yeah. that's my honesty. My testimony is my is my yeah. honest point of communication with you. My honesty. Absolutely. My honesty because the the song. Meaning that I was saved. I was saved from the same blood you saved from. Thank you. You know I, I don't carry some type of like I was telling you earlier. You know me having the calling you know the the, the passion my title but loving and caring for people is what i do see people get so caught up in the title they forget about what they got to do and the fact of the matter is how honesty will correlate with that refuge is by what you're saying you know you being real hey have i ever smoked weed absolutely i used to be high as a kite but now i'm high on the holy ghost you know, I used to <laughs> come be, on i used to get drunk as they come but now i'm drunk in the holy spirit see there's a difference you know i'm not gonna never deny my past but I'm Come on! You, if you're broke, don't stay broke. Right. If you're down, don't stay down. If you're lying, don't keep lying. You know what I mean? If you're mean, don't stay mean. You if you're prideful, you don't stay prideful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Exactly. Not gonna make it at all. You stay. People sit, spend so much time faking it. They never even begin to faith it. <laughs> it's just <laughs> being real, like. Like you can't you can't be fake and say you about that faith. It's not gonna work. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's not going to work. It's not because right. because you know I think of having this conversation with you today and just wrapping this up, I think of Psalm forty six. Um I believe it's uh, it's probably the beginning of Psalm 46 but it came to my mind it said God is our refuge and strength it says an ever present help in trouble though the earth give, give, give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea therefore we will not fear no it goes therefore we will not fear though the earth give away give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea so it's, it's, it's basically, I like, I love this scripture when it talks about refuge, because a lot of times in my life, I'm thinking to myself like, oh my goodness, my mountains are falling or <laughs> everything external, you know, as a believer, you be like, oh my God, my mountains are falling. Oh my God, this giant is bigger than me because that's what it appears to be. Oh my goodness, this heart is really, you know, going deep in the sea, you know, and it ain't going to come back up out of it. It's drowning, you know? <laughs> And I think it is scripture because, you know, and I have to remind myself that my pastors are not my refuge and strength. Oh, hey amen. Come on. I have to remind myself that even though my husband, he ain't even my, you know, he ain't even my, my present help. You know what I'm saying? He can only do so much for me. Family can't, family can't, family can't say, can't build up enough momentum to me to look at the external factors in my life that I see through my lens every day mountains this 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 mountain that mountain and and say you won't fall but God has a way of giving us our peace that surpasses all understanding to walk in the completeness of his peace every single day now I have to learn it I had to learn it and just defining what refuge really is 
knowing that he is my refuge. He got me. Knowing that he is my strength. He got me knowing that 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 whatever comes my way, just walking in my life, just not even paying attention that there are troubles. That there is a fear. That there are mountains that, that try to fall. Or hearts that try to fall to the sea. Just living everyday practical, focusing on that eternal work that was completed on the cross. And allowing it to come inside of me and break forth daily and you know it's just you know that 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 right there is what that really keeps us as me as a believer i can say that keeps me stable in my mind and stable within myself the internal is what what matters you know and so many times even even when we are being believers and all of us have been guilty of it before we look on the outside when man sees the heart we the ones walking around with our heart sunk under the ocean. <laughs> Ain't that crazy? Inside of us. We the ones walking around with mountains falling. Inside of us. Full of fear. No boldness whatsoever. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just so, yeah, and it's just so crazy that how we can actually be out here faking and acting like you know, acting like oh yeah, I got this faith, I got that faith. But but the unbelievers, they're seeing, they're looking at like okay, you're not moving on mountains, <laughs> you're not you're not making no no giants fall. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, and it's just saying like, how can you provide me a, a, a some refuge? You know. There's no transparency given to me from you, you know. So when we're when we are at that three, when we're at that three, we have to really just sit down and interchange and get together as a body. I feel like get together as a body and just say, you know what, <laughs> we going forward together. We're ready for this unity. We're ready. We're ready to to cast down cast down these mountains. We're ready to make these giants fall. You know, we're ready to we're ready to soar as a church. And I feel and and the 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 first beginning of how we're going to do that is simply by saying, "Hey, I am the church." A lot of people are quick to say that they are the church. But they favor the building more than anything. Mm. Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I'm praying to God that many people have come to the conclusion within them, even leadership and pastors and things like that have come to the conclusion to know and understand like, look, I can have I can have church without the building. I can I can do I can pastor this church without the building. I can use this time. I can use this time to, you know, communicate individually with my with my flock. I can use this time to 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 have discussions in small groups the way I wanted to be doing. It, it allows the pastors to just slow down and really get to know their flock, get to know them beyond working in the church, get to know them beyond oh what they what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Out external factors. It's time to get to know your flock eternally. You have people out here who literally have these hearts at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. 
and I it's time it's time it's time like I really just you know I really hope that 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 could happen <laughs> you know I just you know it's just an idea that I have you know that pastors can get to know their flock better and um because I mean you you know flock they admire pastors they and I admire pastors you know you guys are the ones who are at the front at the forefront you know teaching teaching us how to teach people Amen. you know shepherds and watchmen over the over the soul as the word of god says but when it Amen. when you don't see that really being done it's it's very hard it, it brings a lot of heartache and so refuge oh, yeah. and so refuge means to it's a condition of sa- being safe or sheltered from pursuit of danger and trouble um it's something that provides shelter and it's also defined as an institution providing safe accommodation um, for for those who are have been um, came. A, it's like a a shelter, protection, safety, security for people who needs it. A solemn for people, a sanctuary for people. We see it all the time. People have places to go when their husbands are when they're experiencing domestic violence. We see it all the time. People have a refuge to go when they, you know, when they're needing, when they're homeless. You see it all the time. People who are basically being um, cast away, cast down, cast away from society. You know, we provide that. We see a lot of a lot of that go on in the communities and the governments and things like that. And so when we come down, when it's all said and done, Pastor, um, when it's all said and done, what does this work? How does... How does this rock in Dallas, Texas provide the church, the unbelievers, the those who and the body of Christ? How does it how is it distinctively providing refuge for the people of God? Um, I think that, you know, we just gonna do our best to again uh following the footsteps of Christ. I know those are big shoes to fill, but Bible says what's uh, impossible to man is possible to the Lord and uh, you know we open those doors uh, whatever date that is but again you know I've already been very active uh, since you know 2008 in these streets of Dallas, Texas and in many places I've traveled but I've been actively trying to be the church not just waiting for a building but just being the church but uh, the Lord willing when we open those doors sister we're just gonna you know love on people we're just gonna love on them serve them and as Jesus Christ uh, we was we would serve him as the Bible says you know do it as you do it under me but you know the Bible also says that the Lord is a strong power and the righteous run to him and they find refuge and uh, when we open those doors we want to make sure that we are loving people at the highest capability that we're serving them at the highest capability and we're really giving them a glimpse of what heaven looks like by us being uh, and operating with that third heaven mentality meaning that we're operating with the mind of Jesus and we're just we're loving people with his true genuine love and I believe that when you don't put you know conditions and and cast 22s on your love then that's when people really get help that they really become whole uh because the one with the issue of blood you know Jesus didn't put a a, a catch or, or or some type of condition Talk about it. love for her you know once he he embraced her and where she was in life the Bible says the virtue went out of him and that was the Lord's power, His authority, and it also His love, healing her of her condition. So I believe that just opening those doors to this rock, we just want to open it and allow the fresh wind of the Lord's love to just shower over all the people 
and we're going to try to uh, meet as many as conditions, many as needs as possible uh, with, um, you know, everything, that all the resources that we have. Again, I, I believe in the Billy Graham approach, not taking a salary from the So my goal is not to take a salary, and my goal is to pour everything hey, that I get uh, God bless you. into the community and uh, have a group of your pillory store. Amen. Amen. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is amazing. That is amazing. Oh, that was good. <laughs> you know, David, David is such a great example of someone who knew um, God is his refuge. You know, it was so many points that we when we read about David in the Old Testament, it was different points in David's life where he was on the run from people who literally wanted to kill him. But he always found safety in God. You know, um, the scripture says over in um, Psalm 62, it says, um, come on, Holy Spirit, speak. It says, my salvation and my honor depends on God. He is my, he is my mighty rock and my refuge. He says, trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. Psalm 62 says that. And an easy way to make God our refuge is simply to ask him to be it. Because, <laughs> you know, you know, David said, David said, David said, pour out your hearts to him. That's what David did all the time. He poured his heart to God about what was going on in his life. And he asked God to intervene on his behalf. Because when you turn to God for help or protection, you know, we begin to know him as our refuge. Yes, and I, I really believe, you know, I really pray and I believe I'm, I'm really, something is just telling me that many believers got that. You know what I'm saying? Yes, amen. Many believers got that this time around with this quarantine and just really just being yes. able to seek God for themselves. They f- they found him as um, a refuge. Yes. So so as uh, we come to an end today, um I really enjoyed my time interviewing Pastor Obey. <laughs> That's it, right? Oh, bye. I don't know why I want to call you Obey. Oh, bye. Pastor Obey. Don't beat me up when I come visit your church now. <laughs> um, as I wrap it up, it was a great discussion today talking about a lot of things. And I feel like the refuge part, refuge part is what really got us. Like, we have to refuge each other, man. Like... <laughs> God is our refuge, you know. However, that don't mean that we will never, um, don't mean that he will never lead us, um, don't mean that in life we won't ever be led into, you know, difficult or dangerous situations. But Jesus led the disciples in a boat, okay? I'm just going to wrap it up real quick. He know, knew full well that um, there was a storm coming that was, brew, you know, brewing. And so the disciples were, remember they were terrified, you know. And But Jesus was their refuge, calm the storm if you look over there Matthew chapter 8 and when we are in God's will we will face even the most dangerous situations with I'm sorry but when I go to God I go to God in confidence and and I even though I know that 
externally I could be facing the most dangerous situations um, but I'm still going to my God in confidence because I have the power and authority to go to my God in confidence because he is my refuge and I know that he's with me it's countless times that, that if you look over there in the Old Testament God led the Israelites into battle against armies that was much more powerful than they were yet they yet when they trusted God and they obeyed God they always came out victorious and I'm going to leave this right here and I'm going to let you have to say what you're going to say because when it's all said and done very profound for what's going on in the world right now it says but take heart I have overcome the world. He said, Jesus told them, he said, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. <laughs> I have overcome the world. Come on now. Come on now. Because no matter what our circumstances, the safest place to be is always in the center of God's will. He promised to be our refuge. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. See, that's why I get. That's why I love being confident with my God because I'm in His will. So we say with confidence, "The Lord is my helper; I will not be afraid." What can man do to me? Says Hebrews thirteen. When it's all said and done, baby. <laughs> do you have anything to say or add or anything you wanted to say before we just break break over our conversation? Man, I just, it was my honor. Obviously, Sister Shay, um, obviously, I can hear uh, the love for Jesus in your heart, and it's truly been an honor to uh, come on your podcast and uh, share. Man, I hope, I, I pray that we can do it many more times, but to share yes. a conversation about our, our world today and, and uh, the things and the, and the real issues concerning uh, what we need to do to get back to a, a true place of holiness and refuge in the body and the uh, also, man, just, you know, hey, I'm a normal human being. I'm a down-to-earth person. Uh, you guys can uh, look me up on Facebook, um, so by Barnett, or uh, shout-out to me, uh, you know, online uh, at our website or whatever, you know, um, uh for volunteers and different things like that. But, again, if you ever come across me, I'm a down-to-earth individual. I yes, very. Uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace through faith, just like you. I need you Humble. Just like everybody. Come on, I love those shirts. <laughs> uh, I love you. Uh, God bless you all, and then hopefully I'll be talking with y'all again soon. Yes, very humble young man. Um, I love I love that site is so beautiful, and I love that I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna uh, make sure to purchase some of the sweaters and shirts. I mean, they're very unique, especially if you are into evangelism and if you're into um, wearing the message of Christ. Um, in your apparel, your apparel, your clothes that you wear. If you are into that, I mean, his side is just perfect for it. I love it. And if you're in Dallas, Texas, hit him up. Um, let him know, hey, I want to collaborate. I want a partnership. I want to work with you. I want to get these souls saved. Oh, and so y'all heard it from absolutely. one of the great, great men of God who is is um, there in Dallas. So if you know, if you would like to contact him, he just gave out all his information. This is me, Shay, Big Orange Questions, and we are out. Have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Bye-bye. <laughs>